Hello, hello, and welcome back to Gender Root. I'm your host, Alana, and this is our first full-length episode. All right. So first and foremost, I want to say a huge thank you to all of you. Um, I got so many really, really positive messages, really supportive messages, a lot of overall really positive feedback. Um, A lot of you that shared my little trailer around and my promo around, and you all were very encouraging. So thank you so much for that. (laughs) I hope I don't disappoint with this week's episode. So this week's episode is actually very late. Um, There's a few reasons for that. I don't want to go too much into it, but um, I had a bunch of problems with recording, with software, with times and schedules, with trying to get guests on. Just everything that could have gone wrong in the last couple weeks has been going wrong, so this episode is very late. Very, very late, so... I'm really sorry that I couldn't put it out before, put it out on time, Um, but to make up for that, I'm doing two episodes this week, so this will be the first of two, and then um, Friday we'll get back on schedule, and that'll be a normal um, episode, so I I don't think I'm going to encounter any of the problems that I did um, these last couple weeks. I've done a lot of troubleshooting, and everything going forward should hopefully go very smoothly. So, that being said, um, the podcast is now available on every single platform that you listen to your podcasts on, but assuming that you're listening to me right now, you've probably figured it out, Um, but yeah, Anchor, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you can ask your Alexa to play me, you can, you know, anywhere. So, um, and I also, really quickly, before we go into the topic, or topics for today, I do want to talk about the format that I would like to follow going forward. So, I've broken it down into four main segments, um, Some of these things might be subject to change depending on the topic or the issue at hand and how much time I want to devote to a certain issue. So um, some of these may change, but for the most part, this is going to be kind of, these are going to be the four main segments that we have on the show every week. Um, The first one will be the main topic. That will be the overall focus of the episode. That will be the segment that I have guests on to talk about certain things. Um, things in their field, things in their realm of expertise. Um, Then I will also have a Ginger Root Spotlight. And in that segment, I'll highlight something. It could be a person in history. It could be an up-and-comer, someone I just think is cool. Um, A movie recommendation, a song recommendation, whatever it is. Just something that I want to highlight for that week. Then we have a current events causes to support segment that I want to do. Um, In that segment, I'll just discuss and kind of explore a current event, 
an issue, a topic um, that's just relevant to that particular time. And I'm, I don't want to like necessarily devote an entire episode to. Um, and then I might also talk about an important cause or important organization. And then I'll give you all the resources to go learn more about the issue and or to support the cause. And then last but not least, I will have a Q&A. So I'll be opening my Instagram to questions for the Q&A segment a few days out of the week. Um, I'll have things up on my story throughout the week that you can interact with. But generally, you can just also message me if you really want to ask me any questions um, or give any suggestions. It could be maybe something that you want me to talk about going forward, something that I've already talked about, or just a general question about me or about really anything. And then, of course, I'll answer it here. And if I have a guest on, I'll probably have them add some input for that segment as well. So those are basically the four main segments that I've narrowed all my ideas down into. And um, that's kind of all the housekeeping. So now we can get into our topic for today's episode. If you are not already aware, June is Pride Month in the U.S., and to celebrate, I'm going to be doing a Pride series here um, for the length of this month, and we'll have different Pride-related, LGBTQ-related issues, topics, stories, guest interviews for the next few episodes, and I'm really excited to go into that. So, uh, especially with starting with today, we're going to be talking about Pride history and kind of the the events that led to Pride becoming an event, becoming a a month at one point, um, a day, and yeah. And to, to make things a little bit easier to understand, I want to define some terms and identities within the LGBTQ community, um, the queer community. I'm going to use those terms, LGBTQ and queer interchangeably, um, And I know not everyone necessarily knows all the ins and outs, so I won't assume that you know. I'll just define a couple of terms really quickly. Uh, I'll start with queer, actually. I'll define queer. Uh, It's an umbrella term for sexual and gender minorities who are not heterosexual or not cisgender. So that kind of encompasses everyone else. That's why I'm going to be using that term interchangeably with LGBTQ. Uh, You might actually have heard of queer before in other contexts. It originally was often used as like strange or something that was peculiar, uh, but since has been kind of shifted um, to this umbrella term within the LGBTQ community. So I have five other terms and identities I want to define, but I want to make it very clear that these in no way encompass all of the people or members within the community. This is not all of the identities. This is not even all of the relevant terms that you should know. Um, But I will later on mention where you can find some more terms if you're interested in learning a little bit more. So the first of these five terms that I want to define is the term cisgender. So the prefix prefix, cis, um, C-I-S, means on this side of or not across. 
So it's essentially the opposite of trans. Um, and cisgender as a term is used to either call attention to the privilege of people who are not transgender or just identify someone or even you can use it to identify yourself um, as someone who is not transgender. So that just essentially means that you identify as the um, sex that you were assigned at birth, either through your gender identity or expression or both. And to even clarify that further, I'll go into gender expression. So gender expression is how one expresses oneself. So it usually refers to how you dress, your mannerisms, your behaviors, things that are um, usually characterized by society as masculine or as feminine. So your expression doesn't necessarily equal your identity. Maybe you identify one way, but your expression might in the eyes of society because that's really what expression um, refers to. Your expression could maybe not line up with your identity, but sometimes they do. And then to define a couple of actual identities, we have asexuality, which is generally characterized by not feeling sexual attraction or a desire for partnered sexuality. Uh, I think some people confuse asexuality with celibacy. It, they're not the same. Um, celibacy is more deliberate. It's a deliberate abstinence from sexual activity in which asexuality is often just a lack of desire or lack of sexual attraction at all. Um, it's not really, it's kind of on a spectrum of its own as well because not all asexual people have the same feelings about uh, their attraction or desire. So that can also vary depending on who you are. Then we have pansexual slash omnisexual. They're both terms used to describe people who have romantic, sexual, or affectional desire for people of all genders and sexes. And last but certainly not least, we have non-binary. So non-binary non as an identity um, is one that's especially common right now, I think, in social media presence, so you may or may not have heard um, the term, but non-binary is a gender identity that embraces a full universe of expressions and ways of being that resonate with an individual. So it may be an active resistance to binary gender expectations and or an intentional creation of new unbounded ideas of self within the world. So a non-binary person um, often uses they them pronouns um, in place of where you may use she her hers he his um, but there are also different pronouns that kind of fall into the same category some people identify as she they he they um, there's a really large spectrum <clears throat> excuse me there's a really large spectrum um, of non-binary, non goodness, identities, and the way that people choose to um, use their pronouns and use certain terms surrounding their identity. So now that we've mentioned some identities, some terms, some quick little definitions, <clears throat> excuse me, goodness, I want to move into some LGBT history. 
So this is, again, specifically Pride history and specifically related to Pride as an event and as a month and a day. So many of us celebrate Pride. <laughs> Some members of the queer community don't celebrate it or, you know, it's really just a matter of personal choice. But many people celebrate Pride by attending Pride events such as Pride parades, um, picnics, concerts even, but do we know where Pride even began? To begin, let's talk about the gay liberation movement. The gay liberation movement, also known as the homosexual rights movement, uh, is a civil rights movement that advocates equal rights for gay men, lesbians, bisexuals, and transgender persons, that's the L, G, B, and T. Uh, and seeks to eliminate sodomy laws barring homosexual acts uh, between consenting adults and calls for an end to discrimination amongst and against uh, gay men, lesbians, transgender persons, so on and so forth, uh, in employment, in credit, in housing, public accommodations, really all areas of life. So um, I mentioned that because the gay liberation movement and members and activists within the gay liberation movement played a big role in the 1969 Stonewall Uprising. So you may or may not have heard of this event, but Pride is currently celebrated each year in the month of June specifically to honor the 1969 Stonewall Uprising, which happened um, in Stonewall. It's an area in Manhattan. Uh, and the Stonewall Uprising was essentially, it's kind of, um, like there were a lot of riots. It's, it's sometimes referred to as the Stonewall Riots, um, or the Rebellion. And it was kind of a series of these demonstrations by members of the gay community, by activists within the gay liberation movement in response to a police raid that started... June, it was in the morning of June 28th, 1969. So the Stonewall Inn is the specific uh, place, and it's in the Greenwich Village of Manhattan, New York City. So that uprising, the rebellion, was a tipping point for the gay liberation movement in the U.S. The gay rights movement um, would have not been as visible. People were just generally um, not as open. LGBTQ individuals just generally did not broadcast their sexual orientation or identities. But this particular event brought a lot of attention to the gay community and sparked a lot of political activism. So uh, initially, the Last Sunday in June was celebrated as Gay Pride Day, but the actual day was kind of flexible and in a lot of major cities, it actually just got larger and larger. So people would take the day, but then it turned into a month-long series of events. So now we, we have the pride parades, picnics, parties, you know, so on and so forth. But LGBTQ Pride Month events attract so, 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 so many people, millions of people around the world. Um, but not all of the events are pleasant. I do want to mention that there are also memorials held during Pride Month for those members of the community who have been lost to hate crimes, uh, lost to HIV, AIDS. So 
the month as a whole is really set aside to commemorate LGBTQ people and activists and milestones and um, and also those have, who have lost their lives. So in 1970, that was the first anniversary of the riots, and that was kind of like the first Pride Parade. Um, that was what many considered the first gay Pride March. Um, alongside other events, there was Freedom Day, Gay Liberation Day, uh, Pride events, but they usually kind of encountered protests and they didn't have great attendance. So um, in that march, that was one of the big, big events that, again, brought even more attention to the community and the issues of the community. These uh, events, like following the, the 70s, like the late 70s, 80s, became huge, huge, huge events, not only for the community to gather and to celebrate, but also to bring a lot of attention to political and social activism that had kind of become central to the to the month and to the events. A lot of people, if you look at any of the pictures from this time period in like the early pride parades, you'll see marchers carrying these signs focused on the social issues that were affecting the community at the time. So um, once they started getting really, really, really large and kind of expanding outside of the U.S., there was a lot of pride events and parades in certain areas where they were meeting some resistance for like religious or um, social reasons. Jerusalem, Moscow, Warsaw, um, places of that nature. But then there's also a lot of events in cities like Chicago, New York, Amsterdam, other cities in Brazil, where the events would attract tons of people and even now attract tons and tons, hundreds of thousands to even millions of people every year. And just a fun fact, in the 2007 Euro Pride event in Madrid, it was estimated that more than two million individuals attended. Yeah. <laughs> now for our allyship tip. My allyship tip for this episode is education. Yes, in my opinion, it's important, it is key to educate yourself and others. And by educate yourself, I mean find out what queer people are saying. What do the members of the community want you to know and what do they want you to amplify? It's an incredibly important step in being an effective ally for any community um, or any cause that you know not only the issues that are affecting the community and how you can help, but also what the people within the community actually feel and believe and want you to share. Look for resources that aim to serve the LGBTQ community by the LGBTQ community. Don't put blind faith in organizations that claim to serve the community but aren't run by queer organizers. Obviously, I mean, that sounds kind of straightforward, but it's like going to an organization for BLM, but it's run and organized all by Caucasian people. 
how can an organization best serve a community when there's no one within that organization to represent that community and give input on what that actually might be like to be within the community. That being said, queer people are not a monolith, so it's important to respect different opinions and assess your interactions based on an individual's feelings and preferences. To be a good ally to the queer people in your life, if need be, tell them that certain information might be new to you. And if you don't feel like you understand the things that they're going through or the things that they're talking to you about or expressing to you, it's okay to say so. Ask them to be honest with you about if something that you say or do makes them uncomfortable. If you feel uncomfortable, it is okay to acknowledge that, but at the same time, I encourage you to really, 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 really examine why you feel uncomfortable and see if that's a feeling that you can change. Be as open and honest with your feelings and your thoughts about it, um, about how you can help, about what you might not understand with them as you would like them to be with you. And tell the LGBTQ plus peoples, the queer people in your life, if you need a little bit of time to process some new information that they may or may not be giving you. If you want to learn more about becoming an ally and a good ally at that, I recommend the Human Rights Campaign website. That is www.hrc.org. And if you go to their resources tab, there's actually even a full guide, a full PDF guide, pamphlet style guide to being an LGBTQ ally. The guide is actually really wonderful, has tons of um, definitions and information on not just how to be a good ally, but how to get more information for people who are in specific intersections or even if you're heavily religiously affiliated. And that has been our allyship tip for this episode. LGBT in history. Fun fact. In China, the Golden Orchid Society was a women's organization that celebrated, quote, passionate friendships, end quote, and embraced same-sex relationships between women during the Qing Dynasty from 1644 to 1912. That's a long time. <laughs> Additionally, many regard Guanyin, the Chinese goddess of mercy and compassion, to be a transgender deity. There's some really interesting mythology behind that. Go check her out. So our current event for this episode is the recent spread and promotion of conversion therapy in the Middle East. So I was kind of shocked to read about this. Um only because it's been like I don't often hear about conversion therapy and even when I think about conversion therapy I just kind of think of it as really outdated and um, kind of backwards but apparently it is actually very much prevalent still prevalent today um, all over the world so uh, let's just for for clarity conversion therapy 
is the practice of trying to convert someone who identifies as homosexual or within the LGBTQ community because um, there are a couple of different practices pertaining to certain identities like being transgender um, and the practice is essentially to convert that person and convince them that they are heterosexual that they're straight um, or cisgender so <laughs> I didn't know this before but only four nations four countries Brazil Ecuador Malta and Germany have partial or total bans on conversion therapy as a practice the u.s does not have a federal ban on conversion therapy and actually the majority of states don't even have a state level um like law or ban against against the practice so that kind of shocked me a little bit but um overall it's actually way more prevalent than I was aware. So it was actually really interesting to read about. And I definitely recommend you all look at Openly News. They did a couple of different uh, articles on it and a couple of different articles on the, the ways that it's spreading. So that kind of brings me into what we're talking about here, which is the fact that on Facebook, conversion content is not only um, prevalent, but it's also being spread specifically in the Arabic language. So for anyone whose Facebook would be in Arabic, um, in the Middle East, this is a, it's, it's predominantly in the Middle East and it's kind of targeting because the Arabic language does not, does not, it's for whatever reason, not included in the Facebook ban that promote, that um, prevents, sorry, conversion therapy. Um, I guess it all just slips under the radar. So this is the story of Omar who began to feel attraction to other men and was afraid of his family or his friends or, you know, anyone in his town, um, in Egypt, finding out about his potential homosexuality. So he went to the internet, to Facebook to find, I guess, some kind of support, um, maybe in a group or, you know, some kind of page that would help him kind of gain some insight or just learn a little bit or figure out what he had going on, figure out how he felt. And I guess it's very, um, common, but there are a lot of social media pages and Facebook pages that promote conversion in a way that it's, it's marketed to people in specifically socially conservative Arab societies, to anyone who might be a member of the LGBT community and trying to get information, trying to access resources, these kinds of things target them. So it leads them to therapists, spiritual leaders, you know, guides, some influencers who promise to cure their affliction, their homosexuality. Um, and in Omar's case, Omar's 24, uh, he was led to conversion therapy through these Facebook posts. And in particular, um, when he was a teenager, he stumbled across this particular page that has a huge following, has almost 150,000 followers that says, um, that their therapy sessions can treat and cure homosexuality. 
oftentimes um, conversion therapy is considered no matter how extreme if it's uh, talk therapy or if it's electroshock therapy it is mental and physical abuse like that is the bottom line and there is no such torture or treatment for people who believe in certain things or who are identify as you know certain things it's just really 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 backwards and to think that people are still performing electroshock therapy on homosexual people or members of the lgbtq community in general it's really really sad and it's quite literally very dangerous um, especially for those arab lgbtq youths that are looking for resources looking for some way to understand their identities or to work through certain things that they might be feeling or thinking and they don't have access to those resources because their platforms are being dominated by these people who are looking to convert people who are fishing for lgbtq people and youths and trying to cure them wow that concludes our current event for today's episode is the ginger root spotlight and today my recommendation for you all is death note yes if you are not familiar death note is well it's a story it's a series um it's an anime the show is an anime it's from 2006 and the manga that it's based on is from 2003 so death note if you're not familiar is the story of high school student light yagami who discovers a supernatural notebook that allows him to kill anyone by writing the victim's name while he pictures their face crazy <laughs> the story follows his attempts to become a god and basically he wants to create a new world and he just thinks that he is morally superior so, you know, he can just eliminate all evil with this notebook and become the god of this new world he's going to create. There is such... This show is so good. So, so, so good. If you haven't seen it, go watch it right now. And if you have seen it, go watch it again. Such a good series. Um, such a good storyline. So many good characters. I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, there's also a film series, a Japanese film series of three films, I believe, um, I think. And then there's, uh, yeah, there's three in the Japanese film series. And then there's a Netflix film, which I wouldn't even recommend you watch a Netflix film, to be honest with you. I wouldn't even recommend that at all. Uh, that came out in 2017 and it is really not good at all so forget about that forget i even mentioned that and forget that it exists only watch it if you really want to just make fun of them for that movie but the story is so intricate so detailed so complex and all of the the conflict and the journey that he goes on and all of the characters very well developed and very well put together so absolutely recommend death note go watch it even if you don't like anime still go watch it still go watch it right now it's so good so so good that's the ginger root spotlight i don't have anything else to say 
has been Ginger Root. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the first full-length episode. You made it to the end. This is the end. This is it. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to me. The references and the resources that I used today were Embodied Philosophy, Openly News, The Human Rights Campaign, Britannica, and the University of California, San Francisco LGBT Resource Center. I absolutely encourage you guys, really, really, really want to encourage you guys to go and read up on these issues, to learn as much as you can about not only the LGBT community and pride and the history of the LGBT community and the accomplishments, but the people involved, the activism behind it, and the issues that face the community today. No better time than Pride Month to do that. I'd also like to encourage you all to go to change.org. Um, forward slash M forward slash protect transgender students rights. There is a movement to protect LGBT rights in every state with about 20 petitions. And you can find the link for that on my Instagram, um, freckless, that's F-R-E-C-K dot L-E-S-S-S-S. There is a link directly to the petition. I really would like to encourage you guys to go and um, read through that information and sign some petitions. And I know that monetary donations are not always an option. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I understand that. But if you want to know where you can donate, you can go to give.thetrevorproject.org and you can donate there. The Trevor Project does a lot of great work for the LGBTQ community and is focused on um, the LGBTQ youth isolated from supportive communities. So... Again, no better time than Pride, if you can, um, to go and sign and go and donate. Thank you so much again for joining me. This has been Ginger Root. I have been your host, Alana. New episodes, hopefully, every week on Friday. So I hope you come back and keep listening. You can actually go now follow the Ginger Podcast Instagram. I'll be posting constant updates on there and all of the information and the resources that I use and that I talk about here on the actual podcast. That's Ginger Root Podcast, all one word on Instagram. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for joining me. I'm sending you love and I'm sending you light. And I'll see you next week on Friday. Bye-bye.